in a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Hello, geeks, and welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the podcast that reboots, remakes, reimagines, sequels, sidequels, and adapts some of your favorite and least favorite properties from film, television, comic books, and more. We are the show that ruins the things you care about and has an absolute blast doing it. And uh, tonight with me to uh, help me along this journey of terrible choices, we've got a old friend of mine that I've I've known for I, I don't even want to say how many years we've known each other. It's been a other. long time. We're just old. old. We're old. We'll go with that. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Um, we're, we're talking to uh, Tony Woodard, who I had the pleasure of doing a lot of comedy back in the day with. Uh, when we Yes, a lot. We're a stupid lot enough to have aspirations uh, <laughs> in that regard. Yeah, we, we did a lot of lot of uh, college bars in Richmond, uh, a lot of stand-up for that. that was, you got to know your scene. You do. And <laughs> we were all over it for those for at least a few years. And uh, now both of us have found our paths into podcasting years later. Uh, Tony, if you want to talk about what your show is all about, because I know that you've just kind of like altered slightly the format of your show. Oh, uh, the my handle is Jonathan Blade podcast is it's basically about whatever tickles my fancy. Uh, in COVID, I've started doing interviews because I I find people interesting, but my skill set is not really I'm, I'm not a people person. So I thought it'd be a fun skill to work on. I've really, really had a good time interviewing some very interesting people. Absolutely. Well, that's what I kind of find interesting with a lot of the shows we have on the network is even if it's a non-celebrity guest that we have on uh, with just like my friends that come over to talk about, you know, whatever, you know, that, that don't have a you know podcast or, or actors or whatever, what have you. It's still interesting to see where their inspirations come from, what their motivations are to be into the things that they're into. So I'm, I'm interested to kind of see how this format of yours develops over time. And yeah, kind of me too, me too. But <laughs> it's, it's not just that it's also about just what, what tickles my fancy. So you'll find some movie reviews in there, some tech stuff, mm -hmm. all kinds of things. I've definitely listened to a number of your uh, movie reviews because you do actually get pretty in depth with that. And that's part of the reason why I'm so excited to have you on this show because I know that you do take the time to kind of look into the inner meanings behind stuff and like really dig apart a movie uh, when you're into it. And the movie that we're talking about today that we're going to do that with is the just machismo soaked 80s action sci-fi classic Predator. Oh, it drips in high karate. <laughs> yeah. It is a man's movie. You kind of know what you're set up for with just that everyone knows it. The scene where Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger they like do the like manly handshake and then immediately go into like an arm wrestling thing. Yeah. That, that little love fest though is to, is to throw you off. It's to, you know, both tell you that these are the epitome representations of strength in this world. These men are the ideal, the platonic ideal of manhood. Uh, so that when they do encounter what they have to uh, deal with, um, you know, that, there's no one else in the world who could have walked into this situation and done better than they did. 
And I think that's really uh, the main concept that's being explored in this movie. Not that this movie is really trying to go for any real level of, level of depth. Uh, it is going for one-liners all day and just blowing stuff up and uh, and killing dudes. No, I mean, it's, it's purely an entertainment movie. Um, I think that McTiernan said he wanted to do, it's basically a slasher film. It's a sci-fi slasher film. Sure. With Schwarzenegger's The Last Girl. <laughs> Schwarzenegger, The Final Girl. Yeah, I, that absolutely yeah. reads that way, too. Because there is a woman who's part of the cast. Anna is the name of the character. But she mm-hmm. is kind of like she's she holds her own relatively well, which I do appreciate for being like an 80s movie where usually the woman is just this like, please help me damsel in distress type character. Uh, Anna actually does kind of hold her own to a degree, does help try to kill this alien creature. But she is pretty much just set dressing for the most part. It's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> it is full on. Oh, it's fully his vehicle. Yeah. Actually, even under those circumstances, the other characters do get to be interesting. I mean, we appreciate them enough that it's basically a, a movie populated by action figures. And had they made like a, a 90s or an 80s cartoon around the, you know, Team Predator or whatever they would have been called under the circumstances, I, I would not have been surprised. No, because they all are that mega like buff. Gears. Yeah, they're, they're, they're mega buff 80s, like caricatures of men. They're not yeah. real men. Um, and it, it's, men. yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger with like face paint and muscles and smoking a cigar. And, you know, it's just, that's everything that is possibly stereotypically manly. They just pile on all these actors and they just eat it up greedily. I mean, just Jesse Ventura's lines in this movie are, f- well, everybody's lines are incredible, but like I'm a sexual Tyrannosaurus will just never not be an amazing line. <laughs> Yeah, Jesse Ventura gets to be legend off of this movie. Yep. and uh, Even Shane Black gets to be in there, and, you know, he's he's there, and he gets murdered horribly. And it is kind of interesting that for years I wanted to see what a Shane Black Predator movie would look like, because since then he's come into his own as a writer and a director, and has done some fantastic films. Uh, Kiss Kiss he Bang is. Bang. He's got some great work. Uh, he well, he wrote uh, Lethal Weapon. Uh, he did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man three, uh, The Nice Guys. I think was the more recent one that he did. That was his movie, yeah. And then all of a sudden, my wish comes true, and there's a Shane Black Predator movie, and it's terrible. <laughs> it is That's terrible. What I heard. I actually downloaded it last week in anticipation of this conversation, but the reviews are are so bad, I couldn't bring myself to couldn't do it. I not do it. think you're probably better off and we're not really going to be digging too d- d- at all into that movie. So I think you're safe. You've, you've dodged the bullet. Uh, you move like they do, as they said in the matrix uh, and, <laughs> and you're good to go. Um, I would not wish that on anybody. It's clearly kind of the Kmart of a predator movie where it tries to like, tries to do everything the same way, but it's uh, as like a target, but just, just like a lot cheaper and like, lamer and it's just a knockoff it it doesn't work like it oh, should that makes me sad yeah it does for me too because i like a lot of the actors in it and uh and the director and no terrible movie <laughs> not worth your time yeah, everybody's got some black marks on their list it's all good definitely but uh, so my fan casting with predator started a long time ago with shane black wanting to see what he would do and though that came true i wish it kind of didn't 
I'm now looking at, you know, what would I do if I was in control of a Predator reboot or reimagining or something, or even a sequel? And uh, and I have some ideas. What is there anything about your version? Now, for those that are kind of unfamiliar with Smack My Pitch Up, we do a take of the movie that is kind of our best idea on how to make how it would work, actually work, you know, our, our genuine opinions on how to reboot, remake, reimagine, sequel this movie. And then we have a remix version which is just just dumb. It's just a weird take on what it would look like if, you know, we've had John Waters direct a He-Man movie, for example. You know, just, like, really get weird with it. And, I'm spanking uh, to that right now. Thank you. <laughs> right? And uh, th- that might be mentioned again uh, moving forward <laughs> with some of the choices I made. But I, I want to look at, is there anything in the plot and the tone of your actual take that is a little bit different than the original? Are you approaching it from a kind of a different perspective or is there something in the story arc that's, that's changed in your version? So when I first uh, started to go through this mental exercise, I was just doing a one for one replacement of big, tough guys from the old days to big, tough guys from the modern day. Mm-hmm. And that actually developed into uh, my alternate take. Okay. I decided I wanted to do something interesting, uh, different with my primary take. So my primary take is actually, it's it's in the Predator universe, but it's a prequel. Okay. By quite a bit, actually. And it's an Asian movie. It takes place in um, Thailand, which was known as, I forget, uh, it it was known as another place, but it, it takes place in Thailand in 1450. Okay. And to give you context, the opening uh, crawl or the opening text is Asian martial arts were created by Buddhist monks to defend against the beasts of the wild, to defend against any aggressive predator. And so that's the theme off of which we're working. Okay. So you're creating an entirely new cast of characters for this uh, prequel. Entirely new cast. I decided to uh, one for one the mains. As far as who's in the movie, kind of like, but yes, it's an entirely new cast. Um, there's some crossover in who occupies what space in the movie, but sure. it's an entirely different movie. So basically, you're kind of looking at the archetypes of the characters when looking at your prequel. There's still like the big badasses that are kind of in conflict with each other. And then, you know, the, the task force, basically, but in a, just a kind of a different setting. Ish. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm very interested to see because that's a that's a great idea. We haven't seen we've seen allusion to the fact that the predator alien race has been visiting Earth for a very long time, but we haven't seen that like ancient man versus predator story yet. Yeah, yeah, I thought it would be uh, really interesting in the setting, kind of absent guns. Uh, what way do we combat this enemy without guns? And also, I wanted to work in a a different movie structure, because when I was thinking about it, I was like, well, modern movies don't really do the single hero alone against the elements. It's uh, everybody has a team. It's just it's how movies are made these days. Everybody has a team that surrounds them. Uh, Asian cinema almost always does a team because their philosophy is more um, collectivist. So it took me to Asian cinema, love martial arts movies. So we went uh, that route. Nice. Now, we we were talking about just kind of one for one the characters over, and that did kind of inform to a degree how I was going to approach it. This is probably the closest to uh, the 
type of characters um, being similar to the original. Um, and I think partly because I was okay with all those. They're incredibly tropey, like, archetypes. They're, mm-hmm. There's nothing new that's happening in Predator. You know, this was very much just kind of a cookie cutter in some regards with some set dressing that made it its own animal. And I wanted to kind of pay both homage to that machismo 80s action film while still modernizing it enough that it, it kind of has a modern feel to it. So I still wanted to have those big, muscly men-type characters in it. And uh, the storyline is relatively the same. There's a couple tweaks that I did to it. First off, tonally, it is not going to be nearly as serious about itself as uh, nice. as it was in the 80s Predator movie. I feel like... You can have some fun. Yeah, it has to be more fun. It has to kind of be able to wink at itself, kind of like some of the callback stuff that's been redone in recent years, like say 21 jump street where it knows how cheesy it was in the first place. And it's, it's really buying into that in this comedic take on it. And so I kind of want to an action comedy kind of approach to it where it's just fully uh, a loving homage and parody of eighties action films. Nice. So, uh, so it's very much in that kind of, as we discussed in the last episode with, uh, with Kyle Smash, the, uh, the Ghostbusters paradox of just where you're still taking these characters seriously. There's still real genuine danger. You're not, they're not just goofy things that you can laugh at. They, you actually are invested, but there's charm and humor mixed in too as well. Awesome. So, oh, and also uh, the uh, female character, Anna, uh, there was kind of like, Never like an overall romance between her and Schwarzenegger in the movie, but uh, but it was kind of like set up like there would be later. You know, just the assumption of the guy gets the girl at the end. And I want to just kind of disregard that completely. So at least on my serious take version of it, I younged up the girl to like late teens, early 20s. So it was more of a kind of like father-daughter type dynamic between those characters. Yeah, I mean that's what plays in the modern time anyway. So exactly, that, and that works. That should work well. Yeah, and that way it's kind of becomes protective of the of it, the girl. Exactly. So there is it takes away that kind of like girl can't help self, man help girl kind of attitude, and it's more of a like a paternal thing than than anything, which then reads better, yeah. I think. So had Schwarzenegger been a different actor, they would have scrumped in the jungle. So yeah, right. <laughs> it would have been even nastier. I think the size of that that woman in the original, um, I think Schwarzenegger would have just like crushed her to pieces <laughs> if they <laughs> ended up trying to have a sex scene. So uh, if you want to kind of go over your cast list and characters uh, for your serious take, I'm really right. interested. This is the 1400s this takes place, you said? Uh, 1450. 1450. In uh, Atathaya, okay. which is now Thailand. Okay. Um, all right. So there's no central character. Uh, there are several central characters who each have a, an important role. Uh, the sensei character, the the kind of lead character, because my setting is a fighting tournament, because that's a, an easy way to get people from different cultures together sure. in Thailand. Uh, the predator stalks the fighting tournament because that, that's good prey. It makes for a good hunt. Sure. Uh, different strain of the predator, one that enjoys uh, direct hunt. This predator doesn't use... Um, projectile weapons it still uses predator weapons but it doesn't use projectile weapons and we'll see the predator do like a kata or something to to show that it's it's also engaged in um the uh physical fighting arts as its thing it's like a different culture inside the predators that's interesting Uh, maybe a little bit not quite as like beefy 
predator that's a little bit more agile kind of approach? Yes, uh, more like like very panther-like, but okay. still terrifying and dangerous. I actually want the scenes where the predator uh, engages with people to be like uh, Inaritu's bear, Ida Caprio. <laughs> okay, wow, okay. Yeah. I want it to be incredibly violent and just um and for, terrifying. 48 minutes but long yes as the sensei character i have um a man that uh, we know in uh, domestic cinema from a few projects but he's he's a pretty big actor uh donnie yen so donnie yen uh you might know from blade 2 and iron monkey way back in the day he was in rogue rogue one rogue one yeah um, it man, he was in the Ip Man films. All what is it? Four of them now, I think they have. Of yeah, Ip Man. but yeah, they're four. all fun. He's such so a I charismatic love Ip Man. actor. Ip Man Four was kind of terrible, but uh, yeah, it's a great series. I think that just dropped on Netflix. I don't think I've had the chance to see that one yet. It's it's worth seeing, but a little bit terrible. Okay, fair uh, enough. Anyway, he's a mysterious monk who shows up at the tournament, but he's not there to fight anyone. And as the the movie goes on, what we find is that he represents a uh, school that trains for the coming of the Predators. He knows what season the Predators will come uh, and how to fight the Predators. And so that's why he's there. But we don't find that out until uh, a ways into the movie. He is the sensei character. He eventually uh, helps the other characters gather their forces to uh, take the Predator on directly. Uh, my second character, uh, and, and Donnie Yen and this second character occupy the the uh, Carl Weathers, Arnold Schwarzenegger roles. Sure. They are frenemies. They've known each other for years. Uh, but the second character is probably the biggest movie star in the world, even though he's only a star in Asia. He's never done any domestic cinema. But uh, I know him from the Wolf Warrior series, which is like um, if Rambo were likable. Okay. And then... uh. And then uh, Wandering Earth, I don't know if you've seen that. It's a really interesting sci-fi movie. It is a full-on bonkers sci-fi series. It, where, yeah, I've, I've seen that yeah, film. He's, he's the Bruce Willis of that movie. I would say that that movie isn't what people would say, it, and it's a technical term, good, but it's <laughs> definitely... Wandering Earth is a, uh, it's, it's a shot to the stands. You know, it, it aims far and it aims high, and it's not great, but it is really interesting, and it's it's just audacious, I think. Like, if you had the same tone as that movie Shoot 'em Up with Clive Owen and tried to do Interstellar, that would be Wandering Earth. Yeah, yeah-ish. Yeah, just... Well, you know, Asian cinema, the tone of what works in Asian cinema is a little bit different anyway. Sure. A lot of it's kind of goofy to our sensibilities, mm -hmm. but the, uh, the actor is Wu Jing. Wu Jing is, he's probably late 40s or early 50s, so he occupies that, he's, he's kind of like um, the Tom Cruise of Asian cinema, kind of okay. that kind of thing. Uh, Wu Jing plays a uh, Chinese military officer. He's like a general or some high-level officer, and he's just there to represent uh, the power of uh, Chinese uh, military fighting in the tournament. Um, he and Donnie Yen come to not physical blows, but conflict over how to handle the predator situation. Um, and Wu Jing's character actually uh, does what Sonny does. He takes the Sonny scene where Sonny stands on the bridge to try to hold off the predator or to die fighting the predator. 
Uh, Wu Jing is the one who stands on the bridge and goes one for one against the Predator. And my problem with the Sonny scene was that Sonny should have gotten some blows. And I was like, Sonny's a badass. Let him get a stab, something in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Wu Jing gets to do some damage before the Predator Fs him up okay. terribly. So, yeah. Uh, so it, it spreads yeah. the wealth of badassery a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. More more badassery. Well, all the leads are going to be uh, get to be badass. Even if they get effed up, it's a fighting tournament. These guys are badass. They're going to get to be badass. Uh, third character, Tony Ja from the Ong Bak series. Uh, he was in Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage, and uh, well, I think he's in, been in some other domestic things as well. Uh, the Protector was another one that he did that uh, did pretty well domestically. Yeah. So Tony Jaa's a prize fighter. He's Thailand of the 1450s. It's his home country. He's a prize fighter. He does these tournaments. This is just his kind of thing. Um, and actually, the movie opens on him being stalked through the jungle, and you don't know what's stalking him. Uh, and this is after the crawl about the martial arts and the predators. Sure. It's a leopard. He dispatches the leopard with his martial arts abilities and then goes on to the tournament. Uh, but Tony Jaa's a prize fighter. He and some of the uh, other following characters uh, form the group of people who Donnie Yen eventually brings together to defeat the Predator. Nice. Um, and then Donnie Yen's purpose is at the end of the movie, these people will be the uh, the founding of a new school dedicated to fighting the Predators. This feels almost like a mashup, but it's just a mashup with a slightly different genre of action film. It's not even like you're mashing it up with like, I don't know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon or anything. You know, it's it's just the fact that you're allowing a, a clearly American property to incorporate, you know, uh, Eastern elements is really intriguing to me because it's at one point kind of a clash of cultures, but there is a way that they can very easily work together too. Yeah, I think the idea of the Predator and what the Predator is is something that is very appealing to uh, Asian cinema. Mm-hmm. And I think that seeing people whip ass is very appealing to American cinema. When people in the States get a chance to see the uh, the outer limits of what can be done uh, physically, in like uh, Hong Kong cinema uh, and other uh, Asian cinema, they're kind of amazed because, you know, because of uh, insurance laws they don't let our actors do that kind of stuff so yeah, right it's also part of my conceit that a lot of this is going to be done physically like the the predator itself will have uh, very few to no cgi scenes nice. so i need somebody really i haven't i didn't cast that role but i need somebody really big and physical to uh, embody the predator in that yeah i was debating on on actually casting the predator but it's any character that's in a mask it's kind of just whatever so uh, the next actor is uh, Aiko Weiss uh, from The Raid and The Raid 2. Okay, okay. Triple Threat. Uh, he'll play a Robin Hood-type character. He's basically a vigilante. Um, he's at the tournament to do tournament fighting stuff, but uh, he's a defender of the peoples is his background. He'll also be one of the final characters that comes together to defeat the Predator at the end. Um Together, I have uh, two characters that will be working in tandem, uh, Yaya, um, Yayan Ruin and Sesep Arif Rahman. And these are two guys from the Raid movies, and they were also in John Wick 3. At the end, they fought John Wick together. Oh, okay. Yep. And then John Wick showed his respect. Uh, 
they are actually security for the tournament. Uh, they fight the Predator together, and they do very well, but they try to fight the Predator as though he were a man and he's not a man, and that's their downfalling, so they also get effed up eventually, but they okay. do have a decent fight with the Predator. Nice. Uh, and then I have Celine Jade uh, as an assassin there for the tournament. Uh, she was in Triple Threat, which you've probably not seen. That's Asian cinema. A lot of these people were in Triple Threat. Uh, she was in Wolf Warrior 2. And then she was on Arrow as a character named Shadow in the first couple seasons. Okay. On the island, it was like Ollie and Shadow and Shadow's father. Okay. Uh, so I... she'll be an assassin. She'll be also be part of the final crew. And then uh, I wanted to have somebody as the Anna character, but like with agency. So I have uh, Veronica Go, who was Paige Tico from The Force Awakens. Uh, she was in The Five Bloods as Hanoi, uh, Hanoi Hannah, and she was in Fury. Okay. I, I just saw uh, The Five Bloods, actually, uh, the other day. So, yeah, I, that's very clear in my mind who you're talking about. And uh, she comes out of the jungle to the tournament to warn the tournament that the Predator's coming. And they're like, well, you're crazy. But her, she's a hunter. So that's how she knows that the Predator's coming but hasn't been uh, gotten by the Predator yet because she, she knows that he's around and she's been able to kind of avoid the Predator. She'll also, uh, both those characters, Celine Jade and Veronica Go, will be part of that last group of people that takes out the Predator. And it'll take place in the fighting arena. They'll somehow get the Predator into the fighting arena. I, you uh, have use to. Use the skills that they've learned from the monk. You can't and, uh, take not. Out the predator. You cannot have a fighting ring and not have that the final scene. You got to use it. You, you gotta got use to. It. And then um, the the one scene that I, I, I want to see in this is that um, when the Predator figures out he's losing, you're like, oh, this Predator has honor because of uh, not using um, projectile weapons. But like all Predators, <laughs> when he's about to die... He goes to put in that that death code, mm -hmm. that kill switch into his arm, and uh, uh, the assassin, Celine Jade's assassin, uh, throws a throwing knife and cuts his fingers off. And then um, Tony Ja and Aiko, from both sides of the Predator's head, use um, like Muay Thai knees to crush his skull. Nice. And uh, that is how they take him out. And then I have a stinger scene on the movie, actually which ties it into the Predator canon, which is they, it cuts to modern-day Thailand. It cuts to the temple that they created to train against the coming of the Predators. You see the, uh, the head teacher of the temple talking to a, a large man in the shadows, and um, somebody uh, goes and gets one of the students and says, our, our teacher's looking for you. So the student comes back to the, the area where the man and the, the teacher are, and... Uh, the student looks at the man and he's like, teacher, who is this man? And, and, and Ty, and the man leans forward from the shadows and says, my name is Dutch. And then it cuts to credits. Yes. That's amazing. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm super in for this movie. That sounds amazing. And not only do I get my predator, but I also get martial arts action as well. So it's like the best of both worlds. That's... Yeah, it's an action sandwich. <laughs> exactly. Action sandwich. Extra cheese. That is uh, the working title of this episode so far, is action sandwich. <laughs> now, before I get into my version of it, there is something that I came across that was really interesting to me uh, about the setting of Predator. We, you know, we know it's in South America. We don't know exactly where. It's not like officially named in the uh, in the film. 
And then I, so I was looking up exactly where it's supposed to take place. And it was assumed by many for a long time that it took place in a fictional country by the name of Valverde. And uh-huh. what Valverde is, it's a fictional country that was used by Hollywood writer and producer uh, Steven D'Souza in a lot of his films that when it took place in South America, because there was a lot of issues, especially in the 80s, about using specific locales, there would be a lot of blowback from that country's government on usage of any kind of political turmoil and stuff that was happening in that time. So the, the safer point for a lot of films was to have fictional Valverde as the as the location. So that was kind of assumed since D'Souza was a producer on Predator that is where it took place. Involved in Commando, it's involved in uh, Die Hard 2, and originally the location was from a comic book called Sheena. Is, nice. is where it uh, where it originated. So I just thought that was really in- interesting that there's this like fictional country that's been used in multiple properties. Yeah, there's uh, there actually there's a lot of um, rights free uh, rights free placeholders that they can use in fiction. Uh, I'm curious if in the larger scope of fiction if that's a place that is used like that. I'm I'm interested too. I'm I'm thinking I'm going to dig in more. And also any, any listeners that have any more insights on uh, Valverde, I'm definitely open to hearing them. I'm, I j- just love that kind of stuff. But for my version, I decided to kind of, as I was saying, up the comedy a little bit and mm-hmm. it still be kind of an homage to the 80s action uh, oeuvre, but <laughs> <laughs> also kind of no- knowingly wink at it as well. And I think additionally to kind of, because it's so ridiculous, the 80s action kind of style with the massive amounts of explosions and and machine guns just jesse ventura with that chain gun just going to town on people at that opening scene of them attacking the uh the gorilla village is just so beyond ridiculous that you can't help but like cheer at the screens as happening because it's just so because it's perfect so perfectly stupid just with his little like australian hat on like chewing tobacco with a chain gun just mowing things down um and i wanted to kind of capture the spirit of that but in kind of a funnier way so I figured I'd go with, for the director, uh, Justin Lin. And if you aren't familiar, nice. uh, he did Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious, Fast Five, Six, and is rumored to be attached to the 10th Fast and the Furious movie, as well as Star Trek Beyond. So he knows big, he knows action. Um, and if you are not super familiar with kind of the tonal changes in Fast and the Furious, after four, five and on, the tone of Fast and Furious changed to being more than just a bunch of street racers that do crime and save the day. It started going into this weird gravity is just a suggestion territory of action where it was just oh, they're wonderfully stupid absurdist action. There's like tanks jumping all over cars. There's submarines. It's just bigger than life. Absolutely insane weird, absolutely not a thing that could happen in real life action movie. And I think it would be really fun to apply that kind of tone to a Predator movie. It's almost impossible not to, huh? Well, I mean, in this day and age, I think that's the only way they can really get it to play better to a modern crowd is to, if you want to do that like machismo action, is that you really acknowledge that it is over the top and ridiculous. And then once you are in the crowd as well, you are part of the joke, then everybody can kind of sink into it and enjoy it because Oh, definitely. That's what those fast and the furious movies are. is just all machismo. Just Vin Diesel talking about family for half the fucking movie. 
and then everybody else being like, sure, family, let's jump cars between three buildings in Dubai, and then they just go and do the thing. So that's my approach to it. Um, the characters are going to be relatively the same, uh, similar type of casting of the characters, uh, but it's just going to be a little bit more bonkers in, in kind of its approach. And I'll, I'll get into a couple of the little twists here and there, but for Dutch, uh, Schwarzenegger's character, you want somebody big, you know, big and burly, and also with a comedic ability, like somebody that can really be charismatic and funny, but also can be a badass when need be. And I'm a huge fan of uh, Joe Manganello. Nice. And if you are unfamiliar, he was the werewolf character in True Blood. He was uh, he was in Magic Mike as well, right? Magic Mike. He was also in uh, um, Pee Wee's Big Holiday. <laughs> as well and yeah he, he had a in the stinger scene at the end of i think it was justice league that he's yeah wait yeah. uh that he's a uh, deathstroke so yeah i th he's incredibly charming he's a he's a handsome man he can de he can definitely leading man it really hard it's surprising how few leading man roles he's had considering how much of a following he has he's a big D, &D dork so i want to give anybody that's a D, D dork in hollywood more work <laughs> So they can afford all the minifigures uh, for because <laughs> they get expensive, but he, and also he's known for a the canned water liquid death. He himself is not a, a much of a drinker. He uh, he cut that out of his life very early on, and to focus on what he wanted to do with his life. Um, but he being also ripped. yeah being fucking ripped and also like married to uh, who's he married to like Sofia Vergara I think. Really, yeah. I, I don't think I knew that. And uh, good yes, for him. yeah, good for him. And playing, I want to give him a uh, Schwarzenegger Carweathers handshake over his wife, right? Right. Uh, and I thought about including her in the casting as well because they're married, but I, I decided to go slightly different direction there. But uh, so Tr Joe Maganello, I think he's good, he would be ha so fun in the role of Dutch. His uh, his Carl Weathers to Schwarzenegger that's going to go against him is a uh, actor that's been in a lot of stuff lately, but I don't think gets nearly enough acclaim and, and his name isn't like common usage necessarily like some other actors of his caliber and i think it's kind of unfortunate he was a uh, black manta in aquaman he was cal the husband of uh, what is it regina king's character in watchmen the series and he was nice. cadillac in the in the show the get down so he's and he's shown a lot of range he can do action he can do nuance um and also just has a real charm about him and that's uh yahya Abdul Martin the second. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's. I think he's going to be big. I think he has a uh, a career ahead of. Him. I uh, very much agree. He didn't get nearly enough of uh, screen time. I think to do that nuance in Aquaman. But again, it's fucking Aquaman. They weren't going for <laughs> you know insightful and nuanced uh, in that movie. See his Black Mirror episode. Oh, what? Which one was that? Was that the, the uh... one with him and Anthony Mackie? Oh wow, that was a like mind fuck of an episode where they I love that episode. I actually talked about that specific episode on one of the episodes of my cast because I was, I was really, it really got me. I was like, wow, that is, that is a genuine um, talking point of what the future could be. Like other sure. stuff that people focus on is, is, is really nothing. It's nothing. It's just uh, times change and, you know, paradigm shift people have to slowly come into acceptance of those things. But that episode is real. That's, that's, that's a real thing that you could have to deal with in the future. I love that. Well, and in a sense, that episode, it's talking about things that have been happening for a long time. It's just the, the obvious progression of that. It's that, you know, 
when you're talking and sex chatting on, you know, online with someone, you don't know for sure who that person is. Yeah, and Sometimes, ultimately, you know, does it matter? Does it matter? And that is that is what it calls into question. So, yeah, I have the very interesting episode and well acted as well. I think they both did a fantastic job. But I, I think, yeah, Yaya is well overdue for getting the claim that he so properly deserves uh, from his from his role. So I think him and he's a he's a good sized dude. He can definitely like hold his own as a, you know, muscly action oh, star beef. type. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's a big dude. So then we've got Anna, the hostage for at least the first part of the uh, film that she was uh-huh. found in the gorilla village and. Carl Weathers' character, uh, Dylan, decides to take her along with them as they're trying to make their way back out of the jungle. And uh, so she's around for all the chaos ensuing. Now, I definitely wanted to, yeah, put a kind of different angle on it by going with a younger actress for this role so it's more of a paternal kind of relationship than than a possibly romantic relationship. I think it wasn't really very much explored at all in the first place in, in in the original movie. So to will they won't they in that kind of circumstance is just unnecessary and yeah, i don't me... think balls and balls out of action it's important anyway no and i think like that was part of the selling point in uh, movies of a certain time and it's kind of fallen away in a lot of stuff so yeah it's not it's not necessary no in in 87 i think when the original predator came out you have to basically allude to the fact that they that he wants to bone her and that's why he protects her, you know, because there is no other motivation for him protecting this person. It's not something that's close to him. Uh, the only thing would be that just a living human person. And he's already shown himself not to be that concerned about life <laughs> in general. Yes, he will kill a motherfucker. Yes. So you, if you don't have the motivation of like, if I save you, then we're going to bone down. You have to have something to replace. And I think just a, a father-daughter dynamic is better. And I decided to go with a fantastic young actress um, that is known from her characters at uh, Gert on The Runaways and Carmen on One Day at a Time is Ariella Bar- Barrar is the actress. And if you are unfamiliar with Runaways, it's a comic book adaptation from a story written originally by Brian K. Vaughn, which is one of my uh, favorite writers, uh, comic writers, modern day comic writers. And... She's this like little like alternative alternative feminist uh, teenager that is uh, finds out that well I don't want to go into the whole thing with Runaways but basically there's a pet dinosaur and uh, she's got like purple hair and glasses and she's like nerdy and stuff and she the actress herself is around 21 which when looking at the age gap between like uh, Joe Meganello and and her that's about a about a 20 to 25 year difference which does put it in that kind of paternal. Uh, relationship so that's that's going to be my nice. Anna yeah and I would suggest checking out the runaways it's a little bit of a slow starter but it's definitely a good show it's on uh, Hulu and also yeah, I think that's one of the shows that my son picked up I haven't seen it but yeah it's a it's a great series and it's on uh, Disney plus as well now too uh, then we've got Mac played by Bill Duke who is just a legend of action movies <laughs> I mean he's he says so much with just a deadpan face Anytime. <laughs> when he stabs the uh, scorpion off of Carl, Carl Weathers' shoulder, it's, yeah, perfect. Just perfect. Um, and I wanted somebody that has that kind of says a lot without even making a lot of facial expressions. There's just something in the face that kind of says, like, I am sick of your bullshit kind of an attitude. <laughs> and a absol- absolutely phenomenal actor that I didn't know anything about until 
he was in another comic book adaptation. He's intensely charming, but he can also has that don't fuck with me attitude that you really need for a uh, for a Mac character is Mike Coulter. And nice. If, if I love Mike Coulter. He's fantastic and so friggin' charming. I love his interviews because he's just a very, very warm kind of person, uh, but also definitely can make that turn on a dime thing with acting that is kind of necessary in this kind of casting. He was, of course, Luke Cage. Is where what he's mainly known yeah, for. He was, he was Luke Cage. He was also uh, he was the bad husband in a couple of those uh, old all black people movies. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Mike Coulter is awesome, and he does have that. He has an incredible uh, charm on screen. Mm-hmm. So I'd be interested to see what he would do with that Mac character. I think he could have a lot of fun with it. Then we've got Blaine, which is Jesse Ventura's character, and you need somebody that's definitely the comic relief, and it's just like. Balls to the wall. You know this dude's on on roids. Like he's just full full of himself and full of it, and just the wild man kind of attitude guy. And considering that this is done by the director that has done a number of the Fast and the Furious movies, I thought none better than another former wrestler to take the spot of Jesse Ventura, and you put Dwayne the Rock Johnson in there as Blaine. <laughs> You got to get the rock in there somewhere. You got to. And he's so bigger than life as a person. Anyway, the biggest man in Hollywood. You got to get him in there. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So I think I've thought about him as the lead role to be uh Schwarzenegger's character, but it just wasn't quite right. You know, because, because uh, with Dutch, Dutch is very kind of, he's quiet. You know, this is an earlier Schwarzenegger role. So he, he was just mean faced and serious all the time. And that's not the rock. So, uh, but yeah, actually, in my original casting, I was going to use The Rock as Dutch and John Cena as Dylan. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see if a, any other wrestlers pop up in any other versions of this coming forward. But uh, yeah. I just thought it would be kind of a nice nod to the fans as well that you replace Jesse Ventura with another former wrestler turned actor. So I think I think it's just a nice fit. I think people would love it. And then we've got uh, Billy uh, that was played by Sonny Landham, and that was the uh, Native American part buddy of theirs. And I played with the idea of changing the nationality of that character because it did kind of come off as the like hunter tracker stereotype Native American character in the yeah, it played into the eighties thing of of shoehorning people in that fashion. But it is also that argument of like, do you want to? There are so few roles for Native American actors. Do you really mm-hmm. want to take one away from? A possible Native American actor to, to fulfill. And I just, I figured better is just playing that differently than it did in the original is more important than, you know, changing the, the race of the character. So I, I looked that, at one of my favorite Native American actors. I just saw him recently in Flags of Our Fathers. I rewatched that for some terrible reason. And because uh, <laughs> I wanted to feel sad. And he plays uh, Ira Hayes, which is a, a famous gentleman that was one of the flag holders of that famous uh, picture of the soldiers mm-hmm. holding up the American flag. And uh, actually, uh, Johnny Cash wrote a song about Ira Hayes as well. But he was also in Wind Talkers. He was in Joe Dirt as Joe Dirt's like best friend. And uh, he was also in Suicide Squad as uh, Slipknot. That's the name of the character that he was. So, well, so I remember him in both Joe Dirt and as Slipknot. And I could have, if you had asked me, I would have sworn they were two different people. Yeah, well, because, yeah, the Slipknot character is so different than his like so friendly, like innocent character in Joe Dirt. It's it's hilarious. I think he put on some size. Oh, he definitely, yeah, because he was 
beast mode in Suicide Squad, and he was a scrawny little dude in Joe Dirt. So yeah, I mean, it's like that Edward Norton thing. Edward Norton in everything is this scrawny little dude, and then you see him in American History X and go, holy shit! Like when I hate black people, I get I turn into the whole yeah right. <laughs> He's a phenomenal actor, uh, Adam Beach. He's done some significant work uh, in the past, and I think. The only problem with it is that I don't think the role is big enough for how good of an actor he is. So that that's the one thing. But I get to nice. choose because we have an unlimited budget here uh, to <laughs> do the casting. And uh, so, yeah, that's my cast list for, for Predator. Basically, the yeah the main dynamic between the, the two final girls, I guess, uh, are a little bit more fatherly and daughterly than romantic-driven. And, uh, and as far as the tone, yeah, it's just very over-the-top. You're going to have just, you know, Tarzan swinging from vines kind of situations. You're going to have driving across treetops somehow in like a Jeep. Just the, the balls to the wall, like hanging off the side of a cliff moments over a stream. And just all, all the major stupid elements of like a jungle-based action movie. Maybe you throw in the just snake from visual Anaconda. representations of I ain't got time to bleed just all over the screen. Exactly, exactly that, <laughs> and uh, maybe a little bit more uh, gorilla uh, gorillas in the jungle for them to fight alongside Predator. So there's opportunity for them to kind of like turn their two enemies against each other so that they have time to escape, kind of stuff. So it's not just that opening nice. scene of the of the gorilla village. It kind of throughout. Uh, that it's like a hotbed. And then uh, then you've got a lot more body count as well. So, you know, you got to do that for a action movie of this size. Yeah. It, and the modern audience also doesn't have an attention span. Although, you know, for an older movie, Predator moves really well. It really does. It definitely has a, a, a quicker pacing about it. Now, uh, we are at the point of going into our... Hold on, hold on. Um, I did not give you my director. Oh, so Before yes. we go into the remix, let me just... Go ahead and drop a director on you. My director is just uh, Gareth Evans. Gareth Evans okay. did the raid, the, <clears throat> the raid movies. He did the uh, he does the Gangs of London, which is a TV show that's on right now. Um, and I chose him because I want the well, because he has experience doing these these movies in this this area of the world, and he has this experience doing hyper visceral action with a really comprehensible flow. You can see the violence that's being done on screen. He doesn't do a lot of quick cuts. It's highly choreographed, but he makes the, the violence look nasty. And I wanted to take that. He keeps his shot a little tight for, for how I envision the movie, but you know, I'm sure he can pull back the camera and get, get it all in frame. But I think that he would do a, a fantastic job with uh, what I have in mind. That's a great casting. The raid, if you haven't seen it, uh, watch Dread, and that's basically the American version of the Raid. And uh, yeah. but no, the the Raid one and two are phenomenal films, and no, uh, I love them. Very well worth a watch. Uh, it, very, I think that might be why I'm thinking of his like tight, tight shot style that you're talking about. Might be just because of the nature of those films. A little bit, they are kind of claustrophobic. They are kind of close quarters. Yeah, no, I, I think that's how he likes it. Yeah, And it's not like that for the entirety of the movie, but when the action starts, like sometimes in the build-up to action, he'll, he'll go wide, but when that action starts, he keeps that camera tight. Yeah. Now we've got, uh, and for, at least for mine, I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to explain my stupid decisions on this one, <laughs> but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, did, what, did, what are you doing for your 
remix version. Uh, tonally, is there a shift there? Are you doing the prequel? Are you doing like a, a full-on remake? So for the remix, uh, I cheated uh, a lot, and I started yep. with basically the same bass you did. I was like, you know, I'm casting these actors. All the actors I would want, or a lot of the actors I'd want, are in the Fast and Furious movies. Yep. <laughs> and they joke about taking the Fast and Furious team into space eventually. So I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. And the uh, the tagline for the movie is, I used to live my life one quarter mile at a time. Now I live my life one light year at a time. No! Oh, that's so <laughs> awful. I love it. It is so awful. <laughs> so it is bad. wonderfully awful. Oh, my God. Oh, and so basically I'm doing Fast and the Furious 10. I have a title. Hold on. Um, A ridiculous title for this movie. Oh, um, FNF. The Predator 10, Dawn of Hunting Season. Jesus. It, it's all about space family. <laughs> Jesus. All right, well, that's definitely... A... My family is the human race. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you're saying that it is a full-on mashup with the Fast and the Furious franchise. It's All those characters are playing their same characters, but in yes, a Predator I, I'm movie. I'm taking out some of the characters early uh, because uh, one character I just don't like Another character I do like, but I want to replace him with a different character that that fills his role. But yes, okay. basically that that same cast of characters. Nice. Now, uh, for mine, I I'm still doing kind of a homage to the nature of '80s action films, but I'm coming at it from a very different angle here. And part of my inspiration here is that this director that I chose, he he was on a like a VH1, you know, behind the 2000s or some shit like that. I don't know. One, one of those VH1 shows where they just talk about TV shows and, and movies and stuff. And he, he was talking specifically about the show Jackass. And he himself, uh, as a major supporter of the LGBTQ community, was talked about, like, asked what the gayest show on television was. And he said it was absolutely, without question, Jackass. Because it's so homoerotic and it's so like, you know, quote unquote, straight dudes just like finding any excuse to touch each other's balls, you know, it's, <laughs> and and it's it's violence in this weird, like almost foreplay kind of way. And that conversation kind of informed me to like choosing him as the director for my remix and just make it not overtly homoerotic where like it's where like you see them all making out or anything. It's not like a porn or anything, but it's that like there's like weird tensions to the, the, the relationships in this film that feels like any second they're going to start going at it. You know, there's just this weird long pauses. There's even something kind of going on between, uh, between Dutch and the predator. You know, that <laughs> you're like not so really, this is, this is a Hollywood film. This isn't like a, an independent LA porn studio. This is actually, this is not a porn film as much as it sounds like it, but the, the director that I chose was John Cameron Mitchell, who did uh, Hedwig and the angry inch. Uh, he also did a movie more recently called how to talk to girls at parties, which is about an alien invasion during the late seventies punk rock, like explosion in the UK. <laughs> nice. And, uh, and it's about like one of the aliens d discovering what it is to be human and wanting to like learn about punk rock and, and, doing the sex and stuff and uh and a punk kid being more than happy to show her and it's a really really bizarre movie and tons of fun and 
I would thoroughly suggest, uh, last I saw it was on Amazon Prime uh, for Prime holders. So you are fully leaning into the bizarre. Fully going bizarre with this one. Uh, John Cameron Mitchell, he's also uh, a regular character on the series Shrill that's on, I believe, Hulu, uh, that I've just been recently introduced to, and it's a very fun show. But for Dutch, now, so that's that's what's informing us. I want, like, I want, like, oil-covered shirtless bodies throughout this thing. I want, like, close-up of pecs and, like, flexing muscles and, like, that uh, that one scene that every, every friend of mine uh, that has a thing for Captain America talks about in, I think it was Winter Soldier, where he's holding the helicopter and he's holding onto the edge oh, of the yeah. building and he's, like, doing that, like, stretch flex thing and all the girls just, like, fucking faint. Or, yeah, I think it made it move for me, too. So yeah, I mean, I get I it. I get it. So I definitely want to have that kind of, like, those moments just sprinkled in through the movie like they're Jesse Ventura one-liners, just everywhere <laughs> in this thing. Uh, so for Dutch, I'm going with Chris Hemsworth, because, of course, uh, I, he he's done the action roles, like, time and time again. He's even played, like, a paramilitary dude in a, a recent film. Uh, was that Extraction, I think? Yeah, no, Chris Hemsworth would be a great Dutch. Yep. Sexy Dutch. And then to counter him, uh, another muscle-bound gentleman that also, I was really debating him being in the bigger-than-life version, um, but I think it would just be kind of fun to see him and Chris Hemsworth, like, hamming it up together. For Dylan, I went with Terry Crews. Nice. Because Terry Crews is fucking amazing. And also, he's definitely an actor that's willing to go there with just being weird and, and like, funny, and sexy. Oiled up, like getting down to like a thong and like gyrating and all that stuff. He's known for that kind of behavior. Yeah, he'd so. show up for the movie oiled up and like flexed, and everybody'd be like, "How did you know about this? What kind of movie this was?" And he'd be like, "What?" Yeah, no, this is just my day to day look. So I, he would be so gung ho. He would just go for it with this kind of a tone on it. He would have so much fun with it, and I just would love to see that. So a lot of weird sexual tension between Terry Crews and Chris Hemsworth. So right there, you've got like every woman in America or every straight woman in America there, <laughs> there for it. <laughs> and half the dudes of America <laughs> just for, uh, to support their girlfriends. Uh, yeah. And solidarity. Yeah. Solidarity. That's what it is. And then you've got Anna and uh, I want definitely to portray more of like a badass character here. Cause like, honestly, it'll be like the dudes being kind of weirdly like flexing all the time and like long stares at each other. And you've got to have kind of the break of it being maybe the, the woman that's just like, okay, can we stop? Can we maybe focus on this like invisible alien that's trying to murder us in the, in the jungle and really be that kind of like straight man to the, what's clearly not <laughs> a straight man <laughs> happening. And uh, so I went with the, perfect badass choice for uh, a South American woman is, uh, or a Latina ex, uh, ex person is uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Oh yeah. She's gorgeous. She's clearly a badass. You would believe that she'd be able to hold her own in, in certain situations. I think she would be a tough as shit, tough as shit. I would not want to meet her in a dark out. Well, depends on the tone, but, (laughs) uh, then we've got Mac, the bill Duke character, and uh, maybe because they have the same last name, uh, maybe it's because uh, he's a giant man and kind of a cuddly bear of a man. And I would love to see him like kind of in a weird, uh, 
like machismo, homoerotic, uh, action, what have you type of film with these other actors. I went with one of my more recent like favorite actors is uh, Winston Duke. Nice. Uh, he, you've known him from, he was M'Baku in Black Panther. He was in mm-hmm. Jordan Peele's movie Us. Uh, he was also in, uh, what is it, Spencer? Yeah, he was in the uh, the Netflix movie Spencer for Hire or whatever the, the new Spencer's called. Yeah. So Spencer Chronicles. Spencer Com- Confidential, I Confidential. think. Confidential. Yeah, something yeah. like that. But he's fantastic actor, very personable, great charisma, huge man. Um, the Reading the thirsty tweets about him after he played M'Baku in Black Panther is... Yeah, that big dad energy. Yeah, very much. So I kind of want to see him bringing that to, you know, them thick thigh energy to uh, <laughs> to this version of Predator. I, uh, I, I know that's going to put just a few more butts in a few more seats. You know, that's what I'm aiming for here is just getting everybody horned up and going to see Predator. Then we've got Blaine that was Jesse Ventura's character. And that is where you have the appearance of John Cena. <laughs> I think he's already played like a possibly gay character in the movie train wreck where he yes that that he thinks of himself as a straight man now, but clearly he like functionally come out at some point in that movie i don't remember if he actually fully came out or, or something or no he he made a lot of like pretty blatantly like gay statements like i'm going to go over there and have sex with you kind of statements as like a threat um <laughs> to a gentleman in the theater, but he never really came out as like actually came out. I don't think, but I think John Cena is comfortable enough to show his bare bottom, uh, get weird, you know, have some fun in this, uh, gay romp through the jungle with aliens. I I think also just with the cast list that we're looking at here. I mean, we're looking at Chris Hemsworth, Terry Crews, Michelle Rodriguez, Winston Duke, and John Cena (laughs) so far. It's like all the all the muscly hunks are are making their appearances, and then just to round it out is just throwing a different kind of direction in there and getting the former tween crowd to really pay attention. So you're getting the younger audience by uh, Billy, uh, played by Taylor Lautner. Okay, <laughs> 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 uh, is that for the tween crowd? I, you know, I haven't seen Taylor Lautner in much in the recent time. He might be 45 years old at this point. That's true, but I would tell you that with the budget that we're going to need to have to get all the other actors, getting somebody that will work for scale is important. So that's where <laughs> Taylor Lautner comes in. Um, as If you aren't familiar with the name, that's uh, Jacob from the uh, Twilight series. So I have actually two actors that have... The... One solo action film that was terrible. Oh, that, I don't remember the name of that. Me neither, but I saw it in a uh, an airport on a layover coming from uh, Detroit on business, and I I, I, I should have just sat in the airport. <laughs> right. There's some movies that you know you, you have morbid curiosities about, and uh, they sometimes pay off, but very rarely. Oftentimes, it ends up like probably what that Taylor Lautner movie is like, and uh, awful, fuck awful. So. <laughs> See, so now we have gone through our cast list of both the serious, our real take and our remix take. Hold on, I have an alternate director for the. Uh, oh yes, for the remix. So I, um, I was thinking to go with James Wan, but I wanted to just switch it up to to get somebody interesting in there to have uh, somebody else have a chance to do crazy. And so, the director, the alt director that I decided to go with, is uh, Timur Bekmambetov. 
Watchmen. If you don't know who he is, he's a Russian director. He directed uh, Night Watch, Day Watch. Oh, okay. Uh, domestically, he directed he he directed Wanted, and he directed, and this is what sold me, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So if anybody is willing to go balls to the wall in space, uh, I think that's a pretty solid choice. Hells yeah. Um, now, Okay, so now we are going into our mashup category. So now it's not just Fast and the Furious that we have potential of doing some mashups. We have some suggestions by some of our listeners on what we might want to mash up with this, uh, with this movie. Uh, first one up is from Katie from the Nerdcropolis blog and, uh, and podcast. And uh, regular on GUI, one of our one of our buddies suggested, and I think this is a great choice to mash up with Predator is Tropic Thunder. Oh yeah, oh, that would be awesome. That'd be fully perfect. But everybody dies. That'd be incredible. That'd be incredible. Like you don't I, either. You just have the Tropic Thunder group against Predator. You just put them in, which would be absolutely perfect. Or even in my mind, it's just scenes of Ben Stiller dying in various ways. <laughs> So he stands there with his guns just being taken out in various ways. I think maybe more interesting would be if the uh, machismo soldiers ran into the actor troop of soldiers in the midst of running from the Predator. So you've got like self-important, big ego, not good at guns or violence actors versus uh, or with, alongside these big buff paramilitary dudes i think would be a very interesting dynamic oh it'd be a lot of fun or you could do it like the uh, the other guys where you start with the big buff paramilitary dudes and they kind of shunt off responsibility to this acting troupe because they know they can't handle it and so the actors because the predator can't tell the difference sure so the predator's gunning for uh for big fish when it comes upon the acting troupe and it doesn't know what it, what's going on when these guys are just going down like uh like clay pigeons. <laughs> There's so much that can be done with a Tropic Thunder Predator mashup. It really could. Oh, it'd be awesome. Another one that would be interesting and this is from our uh friend Murphy, regular on the show, uh burlesque Murphy performer, Lawless. comedian, entertainer Murphy Lawless, uh suggested a wonderful little like slice of the nineties by the name of mystery men as our, uh, <laughs> as our mashup. That'd be a big ball of fun. I think that would be more like a predator two situation where predator in the city. And, yeah, and uh, also more chances to see Ben Stiller being murdered terribly. I'm, I'm down for it. And yeah, again, another opportunity for <laughs> Ben Stiller to be murdered viciously by a predator. Uh, then we've got a uh, flight of the navigator is, uh, is another option here. And that's oh, interesting. That's one of my childhood favorites. A kid that gets, takes a little joy ride in his flying saucer. And then he comes back. It is m many years later and he's mm -hmm. not aged at all. And they're trying to study him, study the saucer, try to figure out exactly what happened. All the while the voiced by Paul Rubens spaceship is uh, <laughs> trying to get him back to his time. So a uh, very fun movie. I think, that could get a lot darker when you introduce a predator alien into that universe. You have like, I guess the be a lot more fun. Yeah. Yeah. But like the boy would have to be transported maybe to, he's the only one that can stop the predator alien or something. Maybe there's something in his DNA. I don't know. Some kind of, some I can see that. Yeah. Some kind of a plot device that allows him to you a know, MacGuffin MacGuffin. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. So some kind of MacGuffin. 
I was also thinking, as far as Predator 2 goes, like with Mystery Men, that it would make more sense in uh, Predator 2 terms. I think also, if you do a Predator Sex in the City crossover, it could be very <laughs> interesting as well. And then also you get Predator to kill all those awful women. Also, now here's the unfortunate part. The name of the but film... But before he scrumps the slutty one, whose name I can't remember. Exactly. Samantha? Samantha, I think, was the slutty one, yeah. But unfortunately, the name of that film would have to be Sex Predator <laughs> in the City, which is... <laughs> Not really informing what the movie's actually about, so. I don't know that people would be comfortable going to that movie in the theater, actually. Yeah, could you imagine see a, lot of rentals, though. a first date? Like, would you like to come see Sex Predator in the City with me? I don't think that's really going to work out too come well. Come on, Sybil Shepard. Would you like to see Sex Predator in the City with me? <laughs> right? Uh, but I also thought it would be interesting if you introduced Predator into the Star Wars universe, personally. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, that's an easy explanation. It takes place in space. They run across the Predator. Yeah, I mean, there's, that's... But then it would be one of those that, in in a world where laser swords are used so you don't see blood ever, you have this, like, depraved race of aliens that just completely just, like, viscera and blood with all their kills. They're just terrifying to even the Jedi <laughs> because of the level Using of just, like... Actual blades, yeah. Yeah, just they're gruesome with their with their behavior so i th i think it'd be interesting to have pg pg 13 movie and then hard r character comes in and it's just r when that character's on screen and it goes back to pg 13 otherwise it'd be i i've always like no no we're living in a more civilized time stop stop yeah and then in the meantime the uh, countdown is happening on the wristwatch so that's how the death star blows up <laughs> we get a predator alien to set off his nuclear missile uh gauntlet thing and then that blows up the Death Star. Perfect. All right. That is uh, the end of our mashups for now. Uh, now we're going to go into the final bit of uh, SmackDown Pitch Up where we do trailers for whatever version we want to do. Personally, I'm going to definitely do the uh, the sexy, sexy homoerotic version of, <laughs> of As well you should. Uh, which version do you think you want to do a trailer for? Oh, I, I'm, I'm definitely doing the, um, the mashup version. The Fast and the Furious 10 version. I am really glad you said that. I want to hear what this tra trailer sounds like. So uh, <laughs> let me get some music queued up. I used to live my life one quarter mile at a time. Now I live my life one light year at a time. Innumerable seasons of the Predator have come and gone here on Earth. You humans have been able to successfully stand against the skill and the might of the alien hunters known as the Predators. But enough have been victorious that the Yautja, the Predators, are going to make Earth their official world of the hunt. Family, we're riding for Earth's pink spin. <laughs> Team Toretto, Mikamelia, is back once again in the driver's seat for all humanity. Ben Deasy, Wayne Johnson, Michelle Rodriguez, Chris Luda Bridges, John Cena, Jordana Brewster, Sun Kang, Kurt Russell, and Nathalie Emanuel, and introducing Henry Cavill as Chauncey Shaw. <laughs> you see in this Chauncey? Yes, that's one ugly wanker. Timur Bekmambatov's FNF B Predator 10 Dawn of Hunting Season. It's a great excuse to get the team into space when cars that turn into spaceships. Why? Because money and fuck you, that's why. <laughs>
That was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. That was fantastic. I, I they need you. to make this movie now. Like, I need to see this movie. <laughs> That's the worst part of the show is that sometimes you come up with something so bonkers that you know there's no way in hell it's ever going to happen. But if they did do it, it would be maybe the most amazing movie that ever happened. So Yeah, it would be the most amazing movie that ever happened. And you have the record that the idea was yours. So even if you can't get money because you didn't trademark or uh, you know copyright the, the idea, you still have the fame. True. Go and, on shitty talk shows and be like, no, it was my idea first. And at very least, get uh, use that power to try to get at least uh, tickets to the premiere. <laughs> so you get to meet all the <laughs> actors. It's that or be a cancer kid. Uh, I think I'd rather have that. So. Yeah, I think I think the uh, yeah, I think the non-cancer one is probably the better move. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to be doing my uh, super gay version of Predator. Uh, I, <laughs> I think that may be the title of the uh, of the actual name of the movie the super gay predator no that sounds really bad too. there's no way to do that um so <laughs> you taking shibble shepherd to that one instead yeah, right. yeah all right so here we go my uh cameron mitchell directed predator movie what does it mean to be a man Is it brawn? Is it power? Is it knowing that your heart skips a beat every time you look in that special someone's eye? This fall, join Dutch and Dylan on an adventure through the jungle and to each other's hearts. A reimagining by John Cameron Mitchell of the 80s action classic, Predator. Chris Hemsworth and Terry Crews are frenemies at odds with each other, but bonded together through the strife of fighting against an extra sexy terrestrial, a sextra terrestrial. With the help of guerrilla warfare combat expert, Anna, played by Michelle Rodriguez. They bond together with Mac, played by Winston Duke, Blade, uh, Blaine, played by John Cena, and Billy, played by Twilight's Taylor Lautner, to fight against an invisible evil that is dead set on screwing up their sexy jungle party time. This fall, Sex Predator. That's a terrible name. Coming coming to a well probably will probably still be indoors, so probably coming to a, a Amazon near you. Uh it's beautiful. Yep. I I would, I would rent that and but probably not tell people that I did. Yeah, how do you explain to your friends that you rented a movie called Sex Predator? Yeah, that's not <laughs> that's not gonna go, go well for anybody. So yeah, maybe that, that you know what that's what it is. That's the one thing that's gonna prevent my version from being made is the title. That's that's what it is. Everything else sells, but it's that it's just the title. So oh, the the Hollywood guys they they've got somebody to crank out a title that'll uh, that'll work for that that'll be both suggestive and not get your movie canceled by the, the southern baptists very true uh which is why like even the title of this episode i don't think i'm gonna call sex predator 
it's putting off. Man, I think you'd be, I'd, I think you would see a spike in uh, in listeners if you called an episode sex predator. I think I would end up with a very different audience if I did. So <laughs> I think I'm good with the audience we have now. But uh, t- I'm Tandy. I'm so glad that after after so much time trying to figure out property to talk about and just getting our schedules to work, I was uh, finally able to get you on this show. Uh, I love that you've been able to come on uh, Booze Clues in the past. Now we got Smack My Pitch Up. We're gonna have to get you on GUI at some point soon. Because uh, that's always an. Yeah, this has been blast. a great time. I've enjoyed this tremendously, and uh, once again, sorry my voice is shot, but I really, I love this. This is awesome. I, I like, I listen to almost all your shows, and I enjoy almost all your shows. But this is my favorite one of your shows. Nice. So I'm really pleased that I could be on here. Excellent. I, and this was a fantastic episode. I'm so glad that you were able to come on. If you could uh, let the listeners know uh, how they can find your show, if they want to hear some more of the dulcet tones of Tandy. <laughs> Uh, if you'd like to hear more of what I have to say, you can catch me uh, pretty much in any podcatcher. I think I'm everywhere. Uh, at uh, my handle is Jonathan Blade. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at uh, Janky Old Broke Hobo Spider Man at Jonathan Blade. And that's probably the best way to get in touch with me if you want to uh, talk back and forth. Um, and then I have a YouTube channel, uh, Jonathan Blade One. I don't post content up all the time uh, because the podcast took over for uh, satisfying my creative needs, but there's, there's still a lot of content up there. So yeah. Sweet. And we'll uh, try to throw a lot of those links in the notes for this episode as well. So easy enough for people to find. So thank you again, Tandy for coming on and helping me absolutely destroy one of my favorite action movies of all time. (laughs) And I, I hope you uh, listeners enjoyed watching us, you know, take something beautiful and, and crush it with our bare hands. Uh, much like, like Play Doh, like or much like a scorpion under a boot. <laughs> we <laughs> destroyed Predator. So uh, make sure to rate, review, uh, subscribe to anywhere that you get your podcast to uh, smack them and pitch up. Check out all the other shows on the Geeks Under the Influence Network. You can find all that stuff at GUIPodcast.com. Please rate and review. Uh, rating, reviewing shows on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you can do reviews. It does help us kind of show up a little bit more. It, it allows new people to find the show, which helps with sponsorships and all sorts of other stuff. So also make sure you check out our Public page for any of the merch from the Geeks Under the Influence family. You can find that at GYPodcast.com slash store. Click on the link to Public, and you will find all sorts of crazy shit, uh, both you know shirts for the different shows and also just Little designs that we came up with. Most recently, we came up with a uh, human centipede uh, parody shirt where it spells out in intestinal tract, lived, laugh, love uh, through the human centipede. <laughs> That's been a uh, popular seller since it came out on the sh- on the store. So check that out. And for the time being, anything that we sell through the Public site, we're donating 100% of our profits, our personal profits from the sales to uh, currently we're doing the Holly Fund, but we're donating to organizations that help Uh, restaurants and restaurant workers get through COVID because that is one of the most affected industries. Uh, There's conversations up upwards of 50% of restaurants uh, that have closed due to COVID will not be opening back up when all this is said and done. And so if we can minimize that as much as possible, especially in a town like Richmond, that has got a wealth of amazing restaurants, then that's, that's a very worthwhile cause as far as I'm concerned. Those are my other people. Help my other people. Yes, exactly. So so rest assured, if you want a Live, Laugh, Love human centipede t-shirt because you're a demented fucker, at least know that you're also doing good in the world. You're helping out people that really need it. So 
Uh, again, I'm Mike the Hobbit. Thank you so much for listening. And you just got pitch smacked. GUIPodcast.com. <laughs>